listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. Third and final hour of Miller and Moulton. If you're listening in Lake City and surrounding areas, Tampa, St. Pete, Port Charlotte to Venice, we're just halfway home in the 239. Miller and Moulton, the Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. Mark is off today and tomorrow. He will be back on Monday. Mark Dominic will join us at the top of the bonus hour, former general manager of the Bucks, and I'll talk NFL on SiriusXM's NFL Radio and other places. We'll ask him some questions whether or not he would trade Mike Evans. He drafted him after all. Would he trade him going forward? Are the Bucks at that point where they would do that and move on? Mark Packer is kind enough to join us right now. He of ACC PM, weekdays 4 o'clock on the ACC Network. You can follow Mark on Twitter, at Mark Packer. Mark, it's David. Thanks for your time. How are you? I am good. I hope life's treating everybody great down there in Florida. Crazy time. It's madness has begun and then some, right? Well, my goodness, can your tournament be any more newsworthy an hour and a half into it? My goodness, where do we start? Um, by the way, your take on how Syracuse handled moving on from Jim Beheim yesterday, because, well... It's not an easy thing to do, but the way they did it, I thought, was interesting, to say the least. It was cryptic, right? I mean, you know, you got Jim Beheim, who uh, is always an interesting person to talk to, whether it be after a game or in the middle of the summer. And uh, his responses were cryptic, and everybody, I think, was trying to connect dots. And he talked about the retirement speech on Saturday, and only one person got it. And, you know, when, when pressed, to say, hey, listen, are you stepping down? Hey, you're talking to the wrong guy. I mean, the whole thing just seemed a bit disjointed. Uh, and then, obviously, the weird thing about it was about five minutes after he got off the podium, here comes a statement uh, that, hey, guess what? We're making a change at Syracuse, and down the road you go. It, it didn't seem like it was um, very well organized, but nevertheless, I think maybe the most important thing is to, to celebrate really what was really an amazing run by Jim Beheim in Syracuse, because quite frankly, he is Syracuse basketball. Well, and I mean, think about the last year in the ACC. Yeah. You know, Krzyzewski, 40-plus years at Duke, but that wasn't his alma mater. Beheim, 47 years at his alma mater. Never mind the year right. before that, Roy Williams walks away from North Carolina. I mean, we're talking, what, three of the top ten of all time? Yeah, the ACC is definitely in a, a bit of transition. I mean, you, you lose uh, unbelievable co- – and we're not talking about, like, hey, these are really good coaches that had a good run. Uh, like you said, you're talking about legendary coaches in the sport. And even though I would always kind of associate Jim Beheim really with his claim and fame and being in the Big East more so than the ACC, because quite frankly, the last nine years of Syracuse and the ACC have been basically a 500 team – but it doesn't take away of his greatness and everything he accomplished. And you do something for 47 years at the level he did. I mean, you got to put him on a short list at some point in time with the national championship and, you know, 35 NCAA tournament appearances and 20 Sweet 16s. And, you know, the list goes on and on and on. But to lose uh, Roy Williams, Mike Krzyzewski, I, you know, I would even say Rick Pitino when he left Louisville and what they've now been through uh, coming off a year that they want to forget. Uh, another all-time great coach. He's still doing his thing, obviously. 
Um, and, and Bayheim. I mean, this is a league that's in a transition when it comes to men's basketball, which has been a staple for this conference as long as I've been alive, which is a long, long time. Uh, so it's been kind of neat to have a front row seat to watch the league go through this change. Uh, but that's exactly what's taking place as we speak. The television show is ACC PM. It's four o'clock weekdays on the ACC network. Mark Packer is a big part of it. Follow him on Twitter at Mark Packer. Well, you mentioned a couple of places. These are obviously anywhere from interesting to volatile times in college athletics. Can Georgetown be Georgetown again? Can Syracuse be Syracuse again? I think Louisville can be Louisville again. I think this is just a rut and a phase. But Or, Mark, do you worry that once you get out of the express lane in college sports, you could be on the side of the road for a long time? Well, David, we're in a different time. I mean, you know, the days and ages of, hey, I'm going to put together a team and my guy's going to be here for four years and we're going to develop them and all that stuff, that that day is over. And it's not coming back. I mean, so we're in a day and time of name, image, and likeness and money's at stake. And, again, Bayheim's already talked about, hey, I'm not going to pay guys and et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's one of the reasons you've seen guys like Roy Williams, Mike Krzyzewski, Jim Bayheim. I'd even throw in Jay Wright. As brilliant a coach as he is and was at Villanova, I think these guys realized that, hey, this is a new universe. And, you know, what was cool maybe uh, 15, 20 years ago may not be. I mean, we've kind of seen that in college football in some respects. I mean, I'm a Clemson alum, uh, and I would even say in football, we've seen a change of the guards of what is old is old and what's new is new. So, it's just a new universe, and so you need to have younger thought uh, process in terms of recruiting and, and have a collective and understand how the NIL works and understand that kids in, in this day and age can get up in the middle of the night and say, guess what, David Moult, I'm not playing for you. I'm out of here. So it's different. And, and so to just assume that, hey, just because you've got Kansas or North Carolina or Duke or Kentucky on your chest means you're automatically – going to be one of those teams in the final four well it gives you you've got built-in advantages because you're a blue blood but man you've got to understand how the game's played now so there's a lot of work to be done if you're at syracuse there's a lot of work to be done if you're at louisville um there's a lot of work to be done if you're georgetown i mean schools like that so can you get left behind you certainly can so it's imperative that whoever your new head coach is understands the new rules and new law that we're playing by because it is a totally different universe from college athletics. I'm not saying it's better. It's just different, and it's new, but you better deal with it. All right, one quick question. I know this is not going to happen. This is fantasy land. But if you were the AD at Texas Tech or Louisville, would you just say, listen, I'm bringing Chris Beard and I'm bringing Rick Pitino back? I mean, you know, stuff happens. We make mistakes. They make mistakes. But it's pretty inarguable that that's the best fit at both schools. I mean, I – I know it's not going to happen, but if you and I, if I was running the show, Mark, I'm telling you right now, at either place, I'd make that move. Well, it depends on, on what you stand for, quite frankly. I mean, I, I, think there's, I think we've lost sight in all of this uh, of what the, the college experience is supposed to be. I mean, I, I've said this for 100 years, and, and people laughed at me. You know, the object is to get a degree. Now, if you happen to play and win championships along the line, hey, that's awesome. Uh, but if you're like, hey, if my wife, if my uh, coach is out there beating up women, uh, let me go ahead and hire this guy, whoever it may be, man or woman, 
Uh, if that's what rocks your world and, and you think that, hey, I don't care about the lay of the law, let's just go win championships and go knock yourself out. I mean, you can go do that if you want. Um, but I think we need to get back to what this is supposed to be all about. I mean, there's so much money now at stake, David, that quite frankly, I, it, it, this sport almost disgusts me sometimes because it's like we're going down a path that, hey, if you want to be the NBA, you want to be the National Football League and, and be a, a light version of that, uh, maybe that's where we are already, and, and it's only going to get worse because the money is going to continue to grow, and we're going to see that with the extension of the college football playoff. There's going to be even more money and you know, the billions upon billions of dollars we're talking about for rights fees and leagues and this league's disintegrating and this coach can't do this and they don't, we're not playing. I mean, we're going down an ugly path. And so, you know, if the object is, hey, I want to win at all costs, I think there's a lot of guys you can go higher and, and turn it around overnight. But at some point in time, you got to stand for something. And, you know, maybe dignity has left the door. Uh, maybe it has. Um, I, I think in a lot of places it hasn't. But um, if that's what if that is what your desire is, and that's what your boosters are saying, we don't care. Let's just go win a championship. We want to be in the college football playoff, or we want to be a factor in the Final Four every single year. And we don't care if our kids graduate and if they're here for six months and they're gone, they're off to the NBA. That's okay as long as we're winning. We're great. Hey, you can do that if you want. I mean, that to me is the easy way out. Let's get to the quarterfinals today. It's a very special day on Tobacco Road, if you will. The four North Carolina schools are all playing today, and none of them are playing each other. So the noon, the 2.30, the 7, and the 9.30 involve Wake Forest, Duke, North Carolina, and NC State. Uh, I do want to ask you about Miami. I think they're a sleeper Final Four team, veteran guards, and they can score. How do you handicap Miami? I love them. Uh, and you know what? I loved their team last year. And Jim Laranega has done such a brilliant job. And while we sit here talking about all these legendary coaches that are retiring, here's Jim, here's Jim Laranega in, in the tail end of his great career having unbelievable success. And he looks like he's uh, 25 years old out there having fun. And his kids play the game the right way. They don't have a true center. Uh, but, man, that, that Omer's been fantastic inside. Even though he's undersized, their guards know how to play. Isaiah Wong wins the ACC Player of the Year. And if he doesn't go and light you up for 25, maybe Pac does. And if he doesn't, maybe Jordan Miller does. So they've got a lot of weapons, uh, and I think they're going to be a tough out. doesn't guarantee anything. It's all about getting breaks and who loses in front of you and all that stuff. But I love the job Jim Laranega has done. They've earned the right to be the number one seed. And they're going to be a tough out, whether it be Greensboro or the Final Four. So I, I'm with you on that as far as a quote-unquote dark horse, even I don't know I don't know how you can call them a dark horse anymore as sitting there in the top 15 of the AP poll and all that stuff. As far as what happens today in Greensboro, this is about as, as close as you can get to the old days of the ACC when uh, Tobacco Road on Greensboro and every one of these games involves somebody in the big fours, they call it up here with Duke State, North Carolina, Wake Forest. It'll be a fun day, and I think the one thing we learned about the ACC is that you can't take anything for granted when it comes to the upper half of the league. I mean, anybody can beat anybody on any given day. And really, quite frankly, the results of all four of these games, I'll let you pick first, and I'd be completely comfortable with the other guy. I mean, it's just one of those kind of things. It should make for a great day of basketball. All right, have 30 seconds. The two games at night, how many games do you believe North Carolina has to win to get in? And do you believe Clemson with a win gets in? Uh, Clemson, well, they're both in must-wins, right? I think if they both lose tonight, I think both of them are in deep trouble and need a lot of help. 
they North Carolina beating Virginia may be enough. I think Clemson may have to win two. Uh, and as goofy as that sounds, as Clemson is a three seed and North Carolina is the seven seed, I think both of them can ill afford a one and done today. If that's the case, I think they're going to have an awful Sunday. That's the way I look at it. Mark Packer, ACC PM is the show. Weekdays, 4 o'clock, ACC Network. Follow him on Twitter at Mark Packer. Mark, I know ex- I expressed this to you privately, but I'll say it publicly. Uh, our condolences about your dad, and I hope you and your family are doing okay during these times. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate you reaching out, and I uh, appreciate really everybody that did. It was an incredible um, an incredible time for our family, needless to say, but we know that Billy's in a better place. Mark Packer, ACC Network, kind enough to join us here on Miller and Moulton. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. 21 minutes past the hour. Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. Mark off today and tomorrow. Back on Monday. Young Felipe holding down the fort. He's beginning to fade. All right. He was full of energy, even a little nervousness. Okay. At a, three hours ago, had a lot of energy in the six o'clock hour, the seven o'clock hour. Now, this is when he needs an empanada. I've run out of fluids to drink because I'm not feeling so hot either. Little oh, under the here we go. No, no. Here we go. He hasn't mentioned it all morning. I know you mentioned it yesterday morning. Have mentioned it all morning. Anyway, Felipe, he's he's getting pale. He's getting tired. Don't know if he's going to make it to the finish line without dozing off. All right, it's going to be close. You hear this is nasty. Gonna, Ugh, gross. That's a, no need to share. Yeah. No need to share. Uh, <laughs> Felipe in the Clutch Vodka play of the day. Coming up in a handful of minutes. So the big story yesterday was Jim Beheim being not so politely shoved to the curb is what it really looks like by Syracuse. I mean, Beheim wanted to keep coaching and Syracuse moved on and they hit send on the press release minutes after his postgame presser was over. Saying, yeah, we've moved on. Autry's our new coach, and uh, thanks for the 47 years. So, all righty then. I will give everybody involved credit for keeping it secret, though, which also shows you how the local media in Syracuse, how much at a distance they are covering that team. Because that's something that this day and age should get out. Jim Beheim after 47 years. But then again, Roy Williams kept it quiet, too. Roy, Roy Williams, I mean, the word got out about 13 minutes before Roy Williams said, you know what, I'm done. I, I call it the Miami Heat model of handling media personnel, where it is so hard for anything to get out of that right. circle. It's right. impossible. Right, and if it gets out, it's because the Heat wanted it to. Kyle Lowry's out tonight. Why? You will never know. <laughs> You will never know. And you don't have to. It's, it's, it's just not out. important. Deal right. with it. <laughs> but the big story today looks as if it's going to be Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. At least that's how confident the Jets now are that this sucker is happening. And if you think about it, it's got to happen before Wednesday of next week. 
I mean, the new NFL year, business-wise, begins Wednesday, March 15th. That's why teams have, from now until then, to cut who they're going to cut, get down to the cap. I mean, you got to be a dollar under the cap. And then I think they allow you to conduct your business in which you can go over the cap and you got to get back down to the cap down the road. But you got to be a buck under the cap Wednesday of next week. And so that's why you're going to see a lot more guys get cut and a lot more contracts get restructured over the coming days. But Felipe, you asked what I thought was a really good question. And that's why I wanted to share it with everybody during the break. And for those that don't watch on Twitch, I mean, you get to hear us during the break on Twitch and see us. But obviously, those on the radio and the app do not. And Felipe wondered aloud during the break. So if this Aaron Rodgers thing is happening, so how much better or worse is his personnel on the Jets than it was on Green Bay? Because, you know, the thought is the Jets have this really good young roster. And they do at a lot of places. But like at running back, you know, what was it? Uh, Hall, the kid they drafted from Iowa State before he got hurt. He was dynamic. But the Packers have, you know, the two-headed monster at running back. Jones and Dylan. Right. Yeah. So Edge. Edge Packers. Or Push. Well, I mean, I th- the I Jets also Hall's, signed James Robinson. Yeah, I think Hall's better than – yeah, but Robinson did nothing, by the way. True. When they got him. Nothing. I mean, they hardly activated him and gave him a workload, and that was after Hall got hurt. So, you know, it's interesting. Now, obviously, Aaron Rodgers will make everyone better. We get it. But just right now, on paper, uh, closer to a push than an advantage? I mean – Offensive line, both teams had issues. Now, Rodgers definitely makes an offensive line better. He gets rid of it quickly. He'll certainly know how to handle all the blitzes and blocking schemes and and all that. I mean, he will make, even if they don't upgrade, which they need to at two of their five positions, Rodgers will make it significantly better just by showing up. But right now, I mean, the Packers – they were in transition on the line last year. Bakhtiari seemingly can't play anymore. Okay, and the Jets' offensive line, even though Mackay Becton's a mess, and right now you have to consider him a bust. I mean, a push? A push. Yeah, I mean. Similar. Let, let's go one, two, three, wide receiver. Lazard, Watson, and Cobb, who's probably not going to play next year, versus Wilson, Moore, and Braxton Berrios. Edge Jets. Yeah, I would say just because Garrett Wilson is. I mean, I would say Edge Jets even with Aaron Rodgers with those Packers wide receivers. Quite frankly, I would say Edge Jets. Now you're going to add Aaron Rodgers to those wide receivers. So I do think that the Jets' offense, not just because of who the quarterback will be, but from a personnel standpoint, similar to arguably. Slightly better. That's yeah. just on paper before you know who walks in the door. Not by much, but yes. But better. Yeah. Better. 
And I'll say this, I think the best receiver on the Jets has as much or more upside as even Watson with the Packers. Oh, I no. think the running back on the Jets at this stage is more upside than either guy with Green Bay. No question. Okay. And so in theory, you know, and they're all young. The wide receivers and the running back for the Jets are all young. Their best days are seemingly ahead of them. Remember, Ohio State had that tandem of Olave and, and Garrett Wilson. Right. Yes. Studs. Mm-hmm. So, and if the Jets can get Aaron Rodgers without giving up the 13th overall pick of the draft, which the thought is they will be able to pull off. Add one more. Well, or just a, even if they get just get need. a plug-and-play offensive lineman. Right. Plug them in at left guard and say, thank you very much. Or plug them in at tackle. Maybe they get the big kid from Ohio State at 13. Boom. Okay, and plug them in at tackle. So, and maybe it's just because I'm a Dolphins fan, but I I hate the thought of him in the Jets. I hate it. Or gonna, whatever. You're gonna have to deal with it. All right, quickly, clutch vodka play of the day. What do you got? All right, we go back to the ice. J.T. Miller, in his 700th career game, with a game-winning goal in overtime. Terry Lundestrom, Fowler for Anaheim. Miller with a shot. He scores. Seven hundredth career game, He's OT good, winner. Good player. All right, they signed him to a long term deal during the off season. Probably want to trade him now, but good player, game winning goal, our clutch vodka play of the day. Speaking of hockey tonight, Lightning back in action at home, taking on Vegas. Panthers will be watching that Islanders Penguins game very closely, torn as to who they want to win and get the two points and not give the other guy any points, and probably rooting for the Islanders because they're closer to the Penguins in the standings. Something on something on my Florida bucket list is going to a Tampa Bay Lightning game. Uh, good time. Yeah. Good time. Great Oregon, great arena, very knowledgeable hockey crowd, expensive beer, but good time. Of course. Well, I mean, some places are a little cheaper than others. I'm just saying that Atlanta. They, they don't hold back on the, on the beer prices. That's all. I, I will say, though, big beers. Ooh, like tall like boys. You, you can get like 20-ounce beer gotcha. type deal. And you pay damn near a buck an ounce. You know, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> so, Which I'm okay with. And, of course, I'm a sucker for the, the, the large mouth on a beer. You know, kind of like a bass. Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. Twenty-two minutes until the top of the hour. Sixteen or so until we're out of here in Lake City, Tampa, St. Pete, Port Charlotte, and Venice. Miller and Moulton mark off till Monday. The Florida Sports Network, Florida Sports Network. Dot com. The players underway in Jacksonville, and I can tell you that yesterday there were 40 and 50 mile an hour winds all day in Jacksonville. 
and we talk about the difference that that course plays in March versus May, and it's a lot windier in March. Now, the wind was not expected to be as gusty today as yesterday, but it was expected to be a factor. So you got that course, which is a lot of exact shot making needed because there's so much water on that course. And if you throw in anywhere close to the wind that they had yesterday, I mean, I'm not kidding. I mean, yesterday was three club wind day minimum. And I was just thinking about how 17, if we were to have a gusty day like yesterday was between now and Sunday, whether depending on the direction of the wind, how difficult 17 and 16 the par 5 and 18 the par 4 with water all down the left side, how fascinating a finish that that course would be. So just... You know, for those of you into golf and paying attention to that sort of thing, you know, coverage doesn't begin on Golf Channel and Peacock till noon today and tomorrow, 1 o'clock on the weekends. But just check out the winds. It's been very gusty in the greater Jacksonville area for a few days. And yesterday was unbelievable. Yesterday was like West Texas wind. And that course under those conditions would be brutal. Just saying. Pay attention to that if you're into the golf. West Texas wind. Yes. West Texas wind is two to three club wind. It's Ooh. flat, and when the wind starts, it like blows for states. Yes. West Texas wind mm-hmm. is a two to three club wind minimum. Dang. Yeah. And that's what it was in Jacksonville yesterday. Like, I mean, the, it was so windy, it you – the 30, 40 minutes getting out of the greater Jacksonville area on the roads, I was watching the wind move cars. <sighs> that people who weren't paying attention and weren't holding onto their steering wheel the way that they normally do, I was watching the wind blow them into my lane. Yeah, I'm like, eh, got to pay attention today. Yeah. so That's not fun. Yeah. So if it's doing that to an automobile, imagine what it'll do to your cut seven iron. <laughs> right. So it's just something to – you know, keep that in mind uh, and check out the weather because uh, that course could be, whew, if it's anywhere close to what the weather was yesterday. So, um, you know, you mentioned something, which let's face it, who was the hot, trendy, exciting, sexy team during the offseason last year in the AFC? It was the Miami Dolphins, right? And so now if the, you know, let me get hot, young, sexy, exciting team in the AFC could turn out to be the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Because remember, you know, the Dolphins brought in the best defense coordinator that was out there and, you know, moving some things around on the cap. And there's guys that are becoming free agents that the Dolphins are already being linked to. People want to go play for them. The coach is exciting. In theory, Tua comes back and stays healthy. Bada bing, bada boom. And now if Aaron Rodgers is on the Jets, or the Dolphins go back to the third best team in the division again? I mean, could they be better than the Bills with that defense? Well, that's the other thing that we did not believe was going to happen 
that is seemingly happening. Like one of the things that the Patriots dynasty benefited from, not always, but during long stretches of time, that the rest of the division didn't have their act together. I mean, Buffalo, for most of that dynasty, didn't have their act together. The Jets had their act together at times. You know, Mangini actually had two winning records in his three years from 06 to 08. Rex took him to -to back-to-back AFC championship games, beating New England in the playoffs one time. Okay, so from 06 through like 2010, the Jets made the playoffs four out of five years. Okay, so the Jets had their act together, but they only really had their act together for five out of, you know, 15 years out of that dynastic run. How many times the Dolphins have their act together during that run? Like mm, twice? Not a lot. Uh, twice, yeah. I think. That's it. And yeah. I mean, I'm not kidding. For one year here, one year there. That was it. Now, the Patriots were responsible for some of those teams not having their act together, but not all of it. What is it that we thought Buffalo had going for them a couple years ago? Well, the rest of the division didn't have their act together. And now, what is happening? You know, for all the issues that the Patriots have and the jokes and what have you, I mean, when your last place team in the division's winning eight games, that's the last place team. Now, yes, the Jets won seven, but we don't think with Aaron Rodgers, they're the last place team anymore. And so now if you're Buffalo, instead of looking at that division and well, they're going to go five and one or six and zero oh in the division every year. Blah blah blah. Well, now you're looking at it, going, man, you got to be pretty good to go four and two. The Patriots won eight games, and I don't even think they have their act together. I don't disagree, and I don't think most Patriot fans disagree. And the other thing, if Aaron Rodgers ends up a Jet, which it certainly appears as if he's going to, is. Man, does it look like Bill and the Patriots are trying to win totally differently than everybody else. Look at the weaponry that Buffalo, the Jets, and the Dolphins will show up with on game day. And right now, you know, before free agency, before any trades, before the draft, look at the weaponry that New England gets off the bus with. Now, obviously, there's different ways to win games, defense, the whole deal. But, I mean, the Patriots, and this is what their fans have been saying now for a while, and they actually were saying it late in the dynastic run, that Tom was carrying them on offense, that there was not much around Tom. And part of the reason why he wanted to leave was he wanted to go someplace where there was just a little more talent on offense. You're making this a little too difficult on me. Right. And clearly he goes to Tampa Bay, and it was noticeable how much more talent he was playing with on offense than what he had been playing with for a few years in New England, despite the fact that they're winning 12-plus games a year during those years. But look at what the Jets, and remember, the Jets, we think, are going to hold on to their first-round draft pick, 13th overall. They could if they wanted to. I don't believe they would. But there's a good chance the best wide receiver in the draft will still be on the board when the Jets draft at 13. You know, whether you think it's an Ohio State guy or you, whoever you think it is, 
But there's a good chance that the very best running back slash wide receiver in the draft is available when the Jets are drafting at 13. A franchise drafting a top wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers? No. <laughs> That's something that unheard of didn't happen to him the whole time he was in Green Bay. But that's but, true. But I do think that, you know, and Bill has had some years where he's gone heavy into free agency. Sometimes it's worked, sometimes it hasn't. You know, he did so two years ago when they lost Tom. He went heavy into free agency. They won 10 games and made the playoffs. Now, unfortunately, a lot of those players that they signed did not have good years last year. And now they're either unloading some of those guys or, you know, uh-oh, we need them to bounce back or else we're in trouble. But Bill has not gotten it right at the wide receiver position for a long time. I mean, his biggest draft mistakes are first, second round wide receivers. I mean, he's just flat missed. And you look at the weaponry that New England will now be fighting with in the AFC East. And here's the other thing. I mean, they drafted this guy in the first round. He's a first-round quarterback. But if the Jets add Aaron Rodgers, I mean, let's be objective here. Tua or Mac Jones? Tua. Okay, now some would choose Mac Jones. No. Yes, they would, because you know why? Mac Jones plays most every game. Not this past season. Well, he missed, what, three? I mean, Tua missed more than that. Tua has not been able to successfully complete three years, any of the three years he's been in the league. Now, I'm with you. I would choose Tua over Mac Jones. But the point is, if you're New England, if the Jets are really adding Aaron Rodgers, man, oh, man. Miami's got, you could argue, Miami actually has the best skill in the division. They have, a better, they have a better Coast. roster than the Jets, I okay. think. Eh, I don't know. It's close. Okay, but let me ask you something. Because they just restructured Bradley Chubb's contract. Who, by the way, did nothing after he was acquired. Right. Now, know. The, the hope is that the Bradley Chubb who was in Denver, when Vic was in Denver, that Vic can get that out of him. Right. That's why they made him the highest paid defense coordinator in the league. They hired Vic Fangio. They cleared up $14 million in cap space. We talked about it earlier, but... If they can get a guy, perhaps Derrick Henry, but they're better than the Jets. Listen, it's sexy, but do the Dolphins need a guard more than they need Derrick Henry? Do the Dolphins need a linebacker or two more than they need Derrick Henry? Right, spend I mean, that money on the line. Do they need a safety with some of the cuts that they're going to make? Byron Jones. Yeah. You know, I mean – how do you want to spend your resources here? Do you need a running back? What To me, this goes back to Mike McDaniel. Are you going to be San Francisco 49ers, Mike McDaniel? Or are you going to be the guy who called the plays in Miami last year, Mike McDaniel? Because if that Mike McDaniel shows back up again, you don't need a franchise running back. Okay, but Jeff Wilson guy, will do just fine. But if the guy who got the job talking about what it all we did in San Francisco and the running game and this, that, and the other thing, well, then that guy with Derrick Henry would be awesome because then you're going to run the ball more. And I guess the reason you didn't run it nearly as much this year is because you didn't think you were worth a damn running it. So you figured you'd throw it instead. 
because you do have two number one wide receivers, and well, not a lot of teams have that. Well, I mean, I guess for the concern of his health, wouldn't you kind of want Tua to throw a little less? Oh, no. I'd want him to throw a lot less. Yeah. I'd also love to have a running game to actually bring play action into the fold. Imagine if they could hold a linebacker and Tyreek Hill could get one-on-one against a member of the secondary faster than even he did last year when he was one of the three best wide receivers in the game. But now going back to, and we got a you know a lot of Patriot fans all throughout the state of Florida listening right now. Think of the, the burden on general manager Bill Belichick here. If now Aaron Rodgers is getting added to the Jets and where you're at, at quarterback, at receiver, at running back, and yeah, there's more ways to win. We all get it. But right now, the number one way to win in the NFL is with offense. And you are not well prepared right now. You're not. And let's assume Bill O'Brien's going to make Mac Jones much better. I mean, Pat Kerwin said it on this show a couple of weeks ago that Bill O'Brien, when he interviewed with the Patriots, said, listen, I watched you guys last year. I, the stuff I did with Mac at Alabama, you didn't do most of it. He goes, I got 10 things I'll do with Mac right now that'll make him a lot better than he was last year, just by running stuff we ran on Saturdays. So, you know, that's the other thing. For as much as Vic is expected to raise the level of the Dolphins' defense, uh, Bill O'Brien could do the same thing with the Patriots' offense. I just don't think he has as much to work with. He's still right. having to make chicken you-know-what you know, with chicken, you know what? It's kind of sad because the on paper the Dolphins have a good defense, but that does not translate on the football field last year at all. And the defensive coordinator took the blame. Yeah. So we'll see. Just like the offensive staff took the blame in New England. But you want to talk about a sexy division. The word is Aaron Rodgers is okay with joining the Jets. And the Jets are starting to leak the word out to their media friends that this is going to happen. I am cautiously optimistic. Miller and Moulton. The bonus hour begins in a handful of minutes at the top of the hour with Mark Dominic, former Tampa Bay Bucks general manager. We'll talk again tomorrow, Florida Sports Network. 